Welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Jeff. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. And this is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't quite make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Russell. Thanks for, for having me. I'm glad that you're here. On my show. I, you're, yeah, I get the host again. <laughs> You've done it again. I'm in charge. Yeah, take it away. It's good to see you, buddy. You too. Appreciated your uh, your sermon yesterday. I enjoyed being able to sit and uh, my wife was in uh, the uh, infant care. Oh. And so my kids, it was me and my kids. <laughs> it gave me another appreciation for my wife. But it was also great to have my boys sit under your preaching and they quite enjoyed the uh lord of the rings references it feels like a cheat code sometimes but i'll take it no it was great it was funny because both of them so abe has not seen the movies Mm. you know although i think he'd be fine but uh so he's heard about them from his brother yeah so he like knows everything (laughs) you need to know about it and so when you mention some of the names and you know, some of the scenes, both of them were like poking me. <laughs> dad, 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 Pastor Rose, you're talking about Lord of the Rings. Like, I know, I know, it's exciting. So that was pretty cool. It got their attention right away. That's, that's the goal. That's, uh, I mean, I've, I've said this before, but, and we try to have cold pizza be some behind the scenes stuff too. But like for me, coming from playing music, I have to have kind of my opening yeah. scripted just to make the jump. So, yeah, that's good. Well, as you might have guessed, the uh, title of your sermon was remember the shire to remember the shire and you did kind of start off with this little scene that you see at the uh towards the end uh, if you've watched the movies it's in the book as well where sam is talking to frodo and is reminding him of the shire and the good days and do you remember the shire mr frodo mm-hmm. and kind of a call back to what the author of hebrews is is um reminding the people of mm-hmm. of all these things that have gone by this this old shadow covenant that was there um but now this new and better covenant is here and kind of drawing those analogies between that um it, it was it was quite enjoyable thank you um so you had you had three main points uh from hebrews 9 1 through 10 uh the first one was how do we get to god this idea of we have this restricted access that he's reminding us of here in Hebrews 9. Uh, how do we get rid of our burden? Uh, side note, I appreciated all the uh, program's progress references. <laughs> and if you know me, you know I love Lord of the Rings. Big Narnia guy as well. Probably mm-hmm. love Narnia more than Lord of the Rings. But I love more than anything else. I love Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, I didn't know that roast. I knew oh. you liked it, but I didn't know it roast. Oh, yeah. No, that was the book that I cut my teeth on okay. growing up. My dad gave me a Bible and a Pilgrim's Progress. And I remember <laughs> reading the heck out of that book. So I appreciated that. So how do I get rid of my burden? And of course, mm-hmm. it's a massive theme in Pilgrim's Progress as he carries this burden around his back. And then um, how do I avoid this wrath? This mm-hmm. wrath that is coming. Yeah. And, and it's a wonderful picture um, of the inadequacy Mm-hmm. of the old covenant and and how not that in god has done anything wrong but in our inability to keep it mm-hmm. and matt had brought that out um you know last week as uh as there's this 
long extended period of God's grace and kindness and how often when we look at the Old Testament, we, see, we seem to see this wrathful God. Mm-hmm. But in fact, it's one of the most beautiful times of God's grace in all of history. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where he's being um, patient with his people. He has brought them out of slavery, the Passover, and given them the law and he is leading them to the promised land. And there's this period, not just, not just in the Exodus, but throughout the span of the Old Testament, where you see God's kindness and mm-hmm. grace and mercy, even at the times when he, he has to wipe out many, many people, the, the wonder is, is that he doesn't wipe out everyone. Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things from that Jeremiah quote last week, is, and I, I quoted it this week, but he says, so I did not care for them. I was like... Mm. Okay, so the exile was a real thing, and yeah. th- that would be definitely the low point. But like the everything else before that was still in that period of he didn't care for them, right? And it was like he was still incredibly gracious through that I didn't care for them time, you know. Mm. So it's it's interesting to see, you know, God is is easily able to relate to us and his and in, in two facets, so that we are his people, yet he still disciplines us. We are. Uh, are, are going to be carried through, yet he can say he did not care for us even while caring for us. Exactly. Because he understands the nature of, of the, the earthly covenant and then what it ultimately is in the heavenly covenant. Yeah, and even in the exile, the, uh, the discipline of God's people, God did not leave them completely to themselves. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the whole scope of the scriptures and the history that unfolds, you see God's care and kindness immensely for his people. It's good. So you kept saying this through your sermon um, yesterday, um, this phrase, how do I get to God? Yeah. How do I get to God? (laughs) Um, And so I guess my question to you is, do you think that is how do I get to God really the question that people ask? Yeah, I'm a little self-conscious about saying that that's the big question because how many people do you actually hear ask that question? Right. So that like is me making an assumption but i think it's an uh, educated assumption from both the scriptures and from life and that this is what people are actually dealing with how do i get to god mm-hmm. and the reason that i know for christians that it's still a question is because we don't actually live in the state of understanding that we get god yeah on the, it's on the flip side so yeah, I, I think just very clearly from the scriptures and from our from our text, if, if, is how do I get to God actually the question that people ask? And I would say if it's not, if it's not the real question, then how do you explain the constant stream of people that are coming to the tabernacle? Yeah. How do you explain the ceaseless activity that happens in the front court? What else are they there for? Mm-hmm. Right? So that is just a huge, huge example of this is what is top of mind. This is that big question. Yeah that people are actually trying to tackle. And I don't think that we're honest with ourselves, that that's really what we are yeah. at. That's why I pushed it so hard yesterday. Would you say that apart from what you see in the tabernacle and the temple work, you're right, constant flow of blood, constant sacrifice, the priest never stops moving, mm-hmm. the sacrifice must continue to be made, this constant stream of people. So you see that um, laid out for you here from our passage. But would you say that when you look around at our culture, when you look at history, that's the same thing that people are asking all over the place. Now they're, they're not going to the tabernacle or they're not going to the Baptist church down the road, mm-hmm. but they are going somewhere seeking and asking that question, how do I get to God? 
Yeah, they're either they're doing one of two things. They're either busy being God, mm. or they are earning self righteousness to prove yeah. themselves to whatever they believe God is, mm. whatever He wants. So, for instance, I was talking with someone last week, and we were talking about the nature of addiction, which yeah, I am much less versed on on that than you are, but I understand it in like food and pornography side. Sure. So we were talking about the dangers of addiction and how he's seen addiction play out and people that he knows and he's, he's worried about that for like his kids is because that like all these other terrible decisions that they could make are seem to be obvious and coming up but like addiction is like a living death you know yeah. so he, he fears that more than even you know things that could actually kill his kid like mm. a car wreck or something um and so i was explaining I was tying it into like pornography versus yeah. drugs or alcohol or whatever and he was, but yeah but you know, pornography has its place. It can actually help people like be faithful to their spouse <laughs> times of difficulty or, you know, after babies and stuff like that. And so there's this kind of self-righteous like twist to this thing that makes it okay. And now it's an acceptable yeah. thing before the God that I'll eventually be held accountable for what I did. Yeah. And so it's either you're busy being God or it's, it's earning self-righteousness. Mm. Yeah, and it's not just through trying to do good acts. It's it's all of our rationalization. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's um whether it's yeah something small, something large. It's a story that I heard recently um, about a missionary who went to an unreached people group in South America, and it was uh, actually a fairly hostile group, and. Uh, but this young lady felt the call to go to the unreached people group. And so she, after some training and some time trying to kind of make some inroads with them, she went and they, they had to literally drop her by helicopter into this remote region. Oh. And it was, it was kind of a, her, her parents, her sending church, everybody was a little bit like, you're crazy for doing this um, and they're going to kill you. Mm -hmm. You know, regardless, we're not going to see you whether it goes good or not, because this is such a restricted area. So the, finally, they were able to make some uh, inroads there and kind of traverse on foot several years later to go in and see, and they just figured they were going to be met with hostility from that uh, native tribe and that they were going to find out that she was gone. In fact, they were met with um, kindness and open arms and hospitality because mm. she had been sharing the gospel oh. um, and a church had been established. They had... Um, she had preached the gospel to them, but then they'd established churches. Some of the leaders, so the men in that church were now pastoring that yeah. church and so on and so forth. But the funny thing was, is that they had always had this prophecy that um, a female God would come to them from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so she drops oh, in wow. here from a yeah. helicopter <laughs> and tells them the good news of the gospel um says i'm not a god but i'll tell you the you know the one true god point is wherever you go right whatever people you encounter people are seeking and searching how do i get to god mm -hmm. how do i make myself right with the the divine whatever that yeah. might be and i think often whether it's in a, a kind of a large you know um kind of funny and interesting example as that or something as subtle as uh, i can be my own god and decide what is right and wrong versus on things like pornography or so on. Yeah, because the, the thing that's like frustrating that I was getting after yesterday is like everyone in that room knew the answer. Yeah. You know, it, it's not a mystery. 
no. to, to the majority of America. Hmm. It's certainly not a mystery to those that were in that room. And so that's, that's good, right? And we have the answer. But how are you going to get to God is still the question. Just because you have the answer, you have to play it out. Hmm. Hmm. So when it comes to talking through, I want to want to dive in a little bit deeper on your second point on the burden. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk just for a minute about this idea of how do we get to God when it, when it comes to a particular application for our people, I think they know that answer. I think that you said in your sermon yesterday, like we get it, Russ, we, we get it. And I appreciated <laughs> that. I really do appreciate the kind of cliffhanger feel that you left us on. Uh, yesterday because you didn't get to get into uh, what Matt gets to get into next week. You didn't get into the Yeah, I don't but, get verse 11. <laughs> right, verse 11 says this. So I appreciate that. I think it's good questions for us to ponder. And one thing that I was talking to Brent about this morning um, was how this applies to our evangelism. Mm-hmm. And so when we're trying to help people understand how to get to God in, in this incredible sea of people thinking their self is God. Ultimately, that's what anybody is doing. It's worshiping a false deity. It's they're just self-worship. But there's all these different ideas on how to get to God. There's all these different ideas on how people think they can get to um, to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so when it comes to evangelism and how we are engaging with our lost friends, I think oftentimes we neglect to point out to them sooner than later that there is no way mm-hmm. for them to get to God yeah, in their own strength. Mm-hmm. There is no way for them to get to God in their own reasoning. There is only one way. Yeah. That That's is, what I particularly like about verse eight. I didn't dive into this as much as I would like to. Um, so we can do it now. Yeah, um, that's what it's for. <laughs> verse eight says, by this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened. As long as the first uh, section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age, uh, verse 9 says. And a better translation would be, is not just is still standing, but has standing, as if as in it has effect, yeah. right? But the, the, <laughs> the joke should not be missed for us in this. It, 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 as long as the first section is still standing. It's, it should be funny because it's not, in, right. and not just in one sense, but in two senses, right? So in, yeah. In one sense, the the veil was torn, right? Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful picture that any you know preacher who wasn't confined to just verses one through ten um, <laughs> would have jumped immediately to. But it's not; it's been torn. Right. <laughs> uh, but the other funny thing is that it's literally not standing. Like even the torn veil is not there anymore. Yeah, the temple's gone. It's gone. Yeah. So th- that component is is really important. There is no other way into the holy place. It's not open. But mm-hmm. verse nine which is symbolic for the present age, a symbolic word there is really translated parable. It's a parable from the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I, to me, like that's the perfect way to picture the tabernacle particularly, because he could have been talking about the temple this whole time. I didn't talk about that either. Sure. Why wasn't he talking about the more glorious form, the temple, right? Solomon's temple, what a glory that was. Yeah. Why did he talk about the tent? Well, because the tent was the first instance of God really touching base with these people yeah, right dwelling with his people that's the kind of greater glory he would say mm. right and it took it took 40 something days i think for for moses to get the plans from god and meanwhile it took god six days to create all that is yeah and so there's this deep intention with the tabernacle but 
to we're, we're so familiar with Jesus's parables and understand what he's trying to do in those. Mm-hmm. The tabernacle was a parable. The Holy Spirit was telling a parable. Yeah. And what does access to God look like? So a parable, as we know, it should be defined kind of this way. It's suggestive of a deeper truth than it was itself able to fulfill. Okay. There's there's a lot more that it's suggesting that it just can't quite accomplish. And so the story helps you kind of understand it. Mm-hmm. But that's what the tabernacle is supposed to do, this earthly covenant compared to this heavenly pattern that we see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, and when it comes to evangelism, the question of, like, can they actually get in? Well, they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Now they can through one way. Yeah. 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 And I think that when we are engaging with our lost friends, often in the same in the same way that people had to walk through um, multiple steps in order to have this just restricted access, right? Mm-hmm. You can't go, you're not allowed to go all the way in. Yeah. Somebody else has to represent you. Um, this complicated ordeal. Now the veil has been torn. Now the old temple is completely gone. Mm-hmm. And now there's only truly one way and the spirits being very blatant and obvious with that. But how often do we put kind of all these barriers or these difficult stages in our um, gospel message and evangelism to our, yeah. for our unbelieving friends. And I, I think that we do that. No, we don't do that in a, um, hey, you gotta come, I'm not saying that people are saying you gotta come to church for a while and kind of earn your way. What I'm saying is, is that we, we nice them to death. We're mm-hmm. super winsome. And we, we never come out the gate saying, no, the way is shut. Yes. <laughs> the way is shut. You shall not pass. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To continue to riff on Lord of the Rings. And there is only one way. Mm. And you are an enemy with God. God is at war with you. Yeah. And there is only peace found to surrender to his son Jesus. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness found in him. So I think often sometimes we put more and more barriers between people and and becoming believers. Um because we make the make it very convoluted in our efforts to not offend them, mm-hmm. in our efforts to not um, drive them away. And I'm not saying that you need to go outside and run up and down the streets just slapping people with a Bible in the face. <laughs> that might work for some people. No. Probably not. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be um, wise as serpents sure. and harmless as doves. But those people that you're talking to can't answer the question, why is this guy telling me this? Exactly. <laughs> right. What's the danger? Yeah, exactly. They have they have no idea what the problem is, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to show people the problem. Exactly. And and nobody, I think, knew the problem um, as well, or uh, I guess you could argue as well as an Old Testament Jew, right? Mm-hmm. This is the problem. The problem is your sin. You're not allowed to go in there because that's where God's holiness dwells. Your hand is symbolically on the animal, and they are very, um, very clearly understanding that the penalty for sin is death and the blood is flowing yep right and there's a there's a real uh terror in their hearts a real terror if we don't do this the right way we, you know we've seen or we've heard the yeah. stories about god burning up the outer uh borders of the camp and mm-hmm. the earth opening up and swallowing people and mm-hmm. priests dying and dropping dead because they're sacrificing strange fire strange fire right so there's a real there's a real earnestness and a real understanding and so i think that in our evangelism we have to show people don't don't make it more difficult than it needs to be don't set all these barriers just say the way is shut and and why do we make it difficult yeah because another local pastor uh was talking about something similar to this this past week and he said honestly it's because we're embarrassed Mm. 
we're embarrassed about everything that you just said. Yeah. That we actually believe that. Yeah. And so we make it more difficult to make it easier for us. Yeah, it's true. I think Brent and I were saying this this morning uh, for a person that we're both sharing the gospel with um, that's very um, very sympathetic to the craziness of our world right now mm. um, and very liberal. And so there's this, there's this hesitancy um, in our hearts sometimes to push too hard mm-hmm. because there's a fear that we're going to lose her air quotes, right? But both of us were confessing this morning to each other that we think oftentimes, um, and there's another gentleman I'm sharing the gospel with as well, same thing. Like you feel like it's a little bit volatile, like you say one wrong word and you're going to lose the friendship. Yep. Um, and that's because they're lost, right? Mm-hmm. They don't understand genuine friendship and, and forgiveness and long suffering with each other. Um, but there's this kind of fear in the bottom of our hearts. If we step the wrong way, that we're going to piss them off and they're not going to we're going to lose the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But really what that is, I think, ultimately, in, not fully, but in some senses, just a, just a cowardice in our own hearts, right? Yes. Um, and, and, and if there is a non-selfish fear of, well, we, you know, we don't want to seem weird or we don't want to seem um, like we don't have it together or whatever, it's a, well, we don't want to lose them and may perhaps lose the opportunity, and that's just a lack of faith. Mm-hmm. If God has called us to speak boldly and clearly in a moment and they take offense at that, mm-hmm. as they should, the gospel is offensive. It is. Right? Um, then we can trust that God will, if they break with us and yeah. run off, that God is the one who does the, the work ultimately. And I we think can trust in that. Your lack of faith component is, is the exact thing because that's what we end up having to be honest with ourselves about is we're willing to trade whatever it is we get from them for their soul. Sure. So from that list of Pilgrim's Progress, I mean, I, I listed, I, I did that whole list because it talks about everything. Yeah, from Vanity Fair. Everything. And, and we have to say, you know what? I'm willing to trade something from Vanity Fair hmm. uh, instead of that guy's soul yeah. because it's worth it to me. Yeah. I don't want to lose him. I'll lose whatever I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, I think... I'm not trying to caveat this or try to be winsome, but we do need to be shrewd and wise in our encounters with unbelievers as we share the gospel with them. Yeah, so it's, if it's in a relationship, you can, you can work the relationship. Yeah. So, you know, when they came back to me by trying to justify pornography, I didn't, like, you know, throw the tour at them and, right. you know, burn them immediately. Like we've been building to that conversation, and yeah. before that, we had another tougher one. Yeah, and I'll I'll be able to circle back and press that button, you know, some more. Yeah. Um. So, but the thing is, is don't shrink back from saying it's wrong. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> let, let them justify it. Yeah. That's fine. That's what they'll do. Mm-hmm. Um. You can work with that, but don't let them talk about things and glorify them without at least saying I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, and that's the point that we're getting out here is. It, However, you're doing that at some point, you're going to have to come to the place where you say, as this person is asking the question, how do I get to God? Uh-huh. And, that's, and, that's, yeah. and that's manifesting itself in however, right? It's going to look different for a lot of different people. But yeah, So he's valuing like staying true to your spouse. Mm-hmm. I can affirm that. Sure. Okay. But how are you getting to God through valuing your spouse? Why is that valuable to you? Right. And, and why does this very blatant sin? And devaluing of your wife help you value your wife. Right. 
right. yeah it's yeah. good yeah and pulling it apart in that way i could talk a lot more about evangelism uh, i i'll just again emphasize you got to get to a point with your non-believing friends where you're t- telling them listen there is one way mm-hmm. and there is no other um, and that is genuinely truly loving to them let's uh go on your second point here um and and spend a little more time here hopefully so how do i get rid of this burden this partial cleansing that the old testament covenant the the old shadow covenant um gave well i placed my hand upon the animal symbolically transferring my sin to it the scapegoat's release god forgets my sin great now i gotta do it all over again mm-hmm. and god didn't really forget my sin yet right <laughs> exactly so how often do you see people, um, as a pastor, how often do you see people that claim that they are truly under the blood of Christ, that in every, every sense of the word live as a Christian, and yet they still engage God in that kind of a way? That, okay, I've, I've done my dues, but God really hasn't forgotten my sin. Therefore, I have to do it again. Right? How have you seen that? I usually see it from the self-righteousness side. So on the one side, on one option was you either practice being God. The other one is the self-righteousness piece. Because that is going to be like a, the boat is tipsy and things don't feel right. How do I right the boat? How do I level this back out and get to kind of a spiritual equilibrium? Yeah. And that is just a, a, a mis- a completely misplaced view of what's happening in the transference of righteousness, which has been a major piece of Hebrews, right? All the way back yeah. to like chapter five, six, like this, this righteousness engine that you have, mm-hmm. uh, means that the relationship's good. Right. And, and it, it's only out of kilter because of temporary sin, right? That's been paid for. If you're a believer, mm-hmm. even before you confess it, even before you repent of it. If you're a believer, it's been paid for. Yeah. Repentance and faith are the writing of the relationship, but those aren't mm-hmm. those are not self righteous acts. Yeah. That's agreeing with God and turning away from it mm-hmm. back to right worship. Yeah. So I, I see that all over the place. Um the danger that I was going after more yesterday was the distracting component. Yeah. Um that that's what I see more often is either blaming other people or it's distracting. And, um, because with the, with the burden comes a, a right feeling of shame and guilt. Yes. So if you read Pilgrim's progress, he, he's at the same time that he is trying to warn people that, you know, destruction is coming to his city and he's, and he's listening to evangelist, the talk, and so on, he at times just stops and, you know, bemoans his state, mm-hmm. you know, how horrible he feels. I'm undone. Who's going to rid me of this horrible burden? And, and he doesn't blame other people. About no. It. He knows it's a rightful burden. He knows it's his burden um, by his own guilt and his own sin. And so he has this rightful feeling of shame. And so when we have the burden, I, the reason we look for distractions is because we're trying to get rid of that feeling of, sh- of shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I can't stand this feeling. I just want to get rid of it. Yeah. That's why I like all three of those books that you know you touched on earlier. You have Narnia. You have uh, Lord of the Rings. You have Pilgrim's Progress. But all three of those are all oriented around the pursuit 
mm-hmm. right? Actually dealing with the questions, the yeah. three questions that I, I brought yesterday, actually tackling those things. And, and that's what the whole book's about is actually dealing with it. Whereas most Christians, if there are Christians have gotten to the end in a sense, right? And yeah. they know, yes, Jesus is the answer and he's applied. And now I'm going to live my life in to his glory, but forgetting the questions that you had to answer and Totally screwing up your evangelism, what we just talked about, right? Yeah. Because those people are still dealing with those questions. Yeah. Um, not realizing and how far you've come from before, which mm-hmm. is one of the wrestlings of this passage in particular. He's saying, hey, the old covenant, the tabernacle, it was awesome. Right. Like, I'm, I'm not, no shade at that, except it was just a shadow. Yeah. There's, there's more, right? And so yeah. we forget what we came from, and, and then in the present, we, we lose sight of what we have. Right. It's the appetizer to the main meal. Like, yes. This is the meal, mm-hmm. right? This is the meal. Yep. In the same way that the, uh, I've heard it said before that the Lord's Supper is, is the appetizer to the marriage supper mm-hmm. of a lamb one day, yeah. right? That's, that's a good thing. Yes. It's a wonderful, but it's just, it's just uh, getting the taste buds warmed up. Yep. And now we, we realize the new covenant fully. Yeah. Right, and mm-hmm. but often we we still kind of operate in this shadow covenant relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I think that's because some people genuinely feel as if there is still wrath waiting for them. You know, you've you've confessed that before in the past. Like that was a big thing for me heading into sabbatical. Yeah, yeah. Is there still wrath? You know, lingering out there for me somewhere. Mm-hmm. And again, it's an unbelief issue that you have to deal with. It is. Yeah, and. And these two points do kind of blend together of, of the burden and the wrath. Um, because if I remain with the burden, then wrath is there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so to kind of blend in these two points, um, without I avoid the wrath, the mercy seat component was an, an important piece. That I touched on just in like kind of how it worked. Um, seven times for him, seven times for the nation. But yeah. the mercy seat uh, translates into propitiating thing. Like mm-hmm. that's... Much less poetic, but <laughs> propitiating thing. And, and for those of you who don't think that propitiation is a real word or that it's in the Bible, it is. It's in Romans three twenty-two through twenty-six. Hmm. Uh, but you see this kind of play out, and and this is what we have. This is a call to believe. So it says, for there's no distinction; all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's where everybody stops, because uh, it's I guess hard to keep memorizing. Uh, but verse 24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. He's paid for it, right? Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. He pushed them off. Yeah. And so it makes sense that for those that are in the earthly covenant to feel wrath hanging over them. It was. Mm-hmm. It had not yet been propitiated fully. Mm-hmm. It makes sense for those who are in an earthly covenant to not quite understand God's righteousness applied. This hadn't been earned in Christ yet. Right? So, so all the tension that's there for them is rightful. Mm-hmm. Now, as we see in, in chapter 11, they by faith looked forward. Sure. But why do we share so much of the same feelings that they do, that wrath's hanging over us, that, that righteousness has not been earned yet. Because for us, it has been. Mm-hmm. Righteousness has been earned, and he drank every, he drank the whole cup of the wrath of God, right? Mm-hmm. So why is it that we keep slipping into those same feelings of tension? We have no reason to, unless 
we're living by the earthly covenant. Yeah. And I feel like with the distraction piece and the question of wrath, it's so helpful to know that we have such an easy test case on those things. How do I treat other people and how do other people, how do I respond in the way that other people treat me? Yeah. Because if I respond to other people as if wrath is hanging over my head or that I don't have the righteousness of Christ, then I'm living in the earthly covenant. Yeah. And, and, and it's, <laughs> that's unbelief. Hmm. Right? That, that is a failure to move forward into the better thing. Hmm. I have forgotten what Rivendell looked like. Yeah. I'm just happy with the Shire. Yeah. So, for a, for a believer underneath of the new and better covenant, okay, I'm a believer, put faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins. Um, when I do sin, though, mm-hmm. when I do stumble, when I do fall, because I'm encased in this flesh, and Hebrews has had a lot to say about the fight and the perseverance, but when I do stumble and fall, how am I supposed to, what do I need to lean on in the new covenant uh, that's going to inform how I deal with that, that stumble, that fall, that um, guilt and that shame that I feel now? Uh- it's a fantastic question. Um, I think the three of us would probably all answer that slightly differently. Mm-hmm. Just I think from our uh, all right convictions, but our relationship with God specifically. Sure. Um, and maybe even different seasonally. The one that I usually try to reference back from for me, for myself, is that uh, that vertical horizontal component, right? Um, that's what I see at play. And so if I... So here's here's my principle. It's God. We should treat other people, and God treats us based on our position, not our performance. Okay. Right. So I I need to treat my wife based on her position as my wife, mm-hmm. not over her performance. Yeah. I need to treat my children based on their position as my covenant children, mm-hmm. not based on their performance. Yeah. God treats me based on my position as a adopted son of His. Right united with Christ, co-heir with him. On the basis of what Christ has done, On the basis not what of what you've done. Christ has done in bringing me to him yeah. and mediating for me, mm. not based on what I've done. Yeah. And so if I start treating other people based on their performance, then I'm believing that Jesus, God, treats me based on my performance. Yeah. And that, man, is the, like, that is the surefire way to, to find unbelief in people. I mean, when you're counseling them, when you're in DNA, when you're in home group, and you hear people struggling with relationships around them, they're struggling with the same thing with God yeah. every time, yeah. every time. Mm, that's good. And so, yeah, that that's kind of my most applicable, easy stuff. I mean, you had earlier that in evangelism, we need to let people know that we're at a war. They're at war with God, right? They're mm-hmm. his enemy. And for us, Christian, you're still at war. You're still fighting Apollyon yeah. until you get to the celestial city. Yeah. And so if I've learned anything over the past year with my training, like you need to have what is most accessible in the stressful situation. Yeah. I can have the coolest, most elaborate techniques that my body can possibly do. (laughs) Sure. But when it's pressure time, I need to know I'm looking for inside control. I'm looking for underhooks. It's these simple things that my body will just do when it's time. And so for me, when it's time at war, Performance, no. Position, yes. Yeah, that's good. It's the same thing I've encouraged folks who struggle with my proclivities, my sinful proclivities to 
perfectionism. You know, I, I want to always have the most polished, well manicured uh, Bible reading program. And I got to make sure I'm up at the same time every day, getting X amount of time in and also getting in other devotional books and getting in my hymnal and X amount of time in prayer. And then when I find that I'm actually in a skirmish in the battle, when, uh, and what I mean by in the skirmish in the battle is my kids were throwing up, you know, <laughs> not really, they weren't throwing up recently <laughs> or I wouldn't be sitting here across from you. I love you that much, <laughs> but I wouldn't. It's all going into your microphone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Matt can use this microphone next week. I won't tell him. No. Um, what I mean by that is my kids were sick and therefore I wasn't able to get up at the same time because I was actually worshiping God through caring through for my children. But what I tend to do is say, oh, my rhythm's all off, right? Mm-hmm. And, and everything's bad and horrible. And it's, it's the same way I treat um, going to the gym or exercising and just the same thing you're talking about in you train and you train and you train. Why? So that in the moment you're strong, yeah. right? Why do you go to the range and shoot, shoot, shoot? Because in the moment when you need it, mm-hmm. right? God forbid, you'll yeah. be ready. Um, why do you go and strengthen your body uh, by lifting weight so that you'll have the stamina to be able to be up with your kids that night Mm -hmm. and to carry them around so on and so forth. But I think often we look to that performance and I look to that performance in this, God is going to love me based upon X, Y, Z, my performance in how well I've read my Bible or so on versus my standing and who God says I am in Christ ultimately. So for me in those moments, what I have to do if I am willing, quickly willing to, to uh, blame shift mm-hmm. and throw the guilt and the shame on somebody else, um, then I know that I am not uh, seeing myself rightfully standing before God in the righteousness of Christ. Yep. But I've forgotten. Now I'm doing it out of my own self-righteousness. Absolutely. So if I'm willing to blame my wife or blame my kids or even if they have some blame in a situation but I'm not willing to ask the question first, maybe it's my fault, <laughs> then it's usually a good indication that I'm not seeing myself properly mm-hmm. as a child of God and the wrath has been put upon the tree. Because in the moment when, when the rubber meets the road, when the crisis comes, when I'm in the skirmish, when I'm in the battle, yeah. what I have to say when the condemnation comes is I just go back to what Luther used to do. He would just agree with Satan. He says, <laughs> yep, you're right. <laughs> I am a... I am unworthy. Got me again. Got me again, man. I am unworthy, but, right? Then he goes on to preach the gospel to himself. Luther made the practice of preaching the gospel to himself and preaching the gospel to Satan. Mm -hmm. But I have been forgiven. And Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, it's important that I'm not using that as an excuse. No. And just wallowing in my, well, I'm just a sinner, right? Mm -hmm. But in the moment when 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 I'm living out of my own earthly covenant, Oh, trying to bring all the all the lambs and the goats and sacrifice yeah. them just the right way, I have to say, yeah, I am unworthy, but Christ did it perfectly for mm-hmm. me, and I'm walking in that righteousness. Therefore, I have the freedom to confess my sin, to say I was wrong, to be forgiven, and to move forward. Yeah, because you can't just excuse your sin away because there's action steps that comes with the way that God treats you based yeah. on your position. Yeah. All right? And right. so... He treated me this way, this way when I did this to him, he responded this way. So when my children do this to me, I respond the way that God responded to me. And that's an action step. You can't just shrug that off. So his love, has, I mean, that's your 
DC talk, love is a verb. Um, <laughs> his love for us it caused him to do something. And so our love for other people has to cause us to do something. Yeah. yeah. We can't I, just shrug it off. Yeah. And as you grow in, in love and affection for, for Jesus, you begin to hate more and more the things of your flesh, mm. the things of this world. It's that, you know, the Puritans used to talk about this idea of the closer you get to God, the more you see your imperfections, the more you, the more you see the glory of God and as it were, the light of God shines upon the darkness of your, your heart. You realize how truly unworthy you are, but you miss the, the, the main point here is that you're drawing near yep. and not being consumed. Yes. Right. That's huge. And, and it's, it's the same thing in marriage. You know, you could, you could come to a place, often marriages come to a place where they plateau. Well, we're doing great. Well, you're doing great because you've overcome some things great, but if you don't continue to press forward and press in, yeah, right, you're not going to grow more. But what happens when you begin to press forward and press in more? You start to see the ugly stuff comes out because yeah, it means more, more self-sacrifice. It means more love. It means more courage, right? Yeah. I, mean, I know people are tired of hearing me talk about jujitsu, but it's a living parable for me this past no, year. We're not tired of it, Russ. I'm glad. I'm not tired of it. <laughs> You tell me all, all you want. Buddy. It's just, I mean, it's living parables of, of life for me. And um, there's moment, there's, there's some weeks where I come in and I'm like, man, I am getting this. I have, right. I've got this down, not down, down. I'm not that arrogant, but like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting it and I'm rocking and rolling and I can do what I need to do. And I'm, I'm doing well in my roles and stuff. But then there's other weeks and, and days when I'm just not, things aren't coming together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I go to try something and there's three other things that they do to respond to that. And I'm like, ah, there's so much I don't know, you know. So it's just up, down thing. As we get up to another plateau of understanding and application, because that's what I like about it. It's not just, what do you know, but can you make it happen? Exactly. You have to be able to do it. Um, As I get up to a plateau of ability, skill and different things, and then I roll with someone else or there's a new technique or a new branch that we're, we're discovering. I realize, oh wow, I'm still, I've still got another mountain to climb, mm-hmm. and that can be really frustrating for for me and some of my gospel stories. Like, is it ever good enough? Like, right? Why isn't this plateau acceptable? Mm-hmm. It's because God still has me here. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> not done with you yet. <laughs> yes, there's there's more, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. That struggle is good and right, and I'm making you and conforming you more to my image, and all of that. Yeah, man, and I think the danger sometimes when we go through uh, periods of growth, both personally and as a church. Um, and God usually takes us through, as a church, I've seen some specific sermon series. So First Peter was a big one yeah. for Christ the Lord, right? So I've been told. Right, right. Lots of people, exactly. We were here for t- <laughs> some of it. First half. Right. It was good. Um, and there was a lot of people saying, in the first couple sermons in that series, oh crap, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And man, that question needed to be asked at that history and that time in our church, that, yeah. that point in history in our church. Um, that needed to be asked mm-hmm. because I think some people were coming up short yep. and examining and saying, oh, oh crap. I, and, but as you, as you pressed into that, what you saw was the people who actually were God's children, um, even though it was hard, even though it was difficult, even though it was a struggle, 
both intellectually as they they sought to understand what the scripture was saying and emotionally and so on as as it was kind of tumultuous for them they leaned into it and with every fiber of their being they were striving to say as we've been saying a lot lately like thanks be to god for his word i don't understand this fully mm-hmm. i'm not really sure i like the way it makes me feel mm-hmm. but i know it's right because it's god's word and that's where faith actually came out it didn't yes. come out before when right. they thought, oh, I think I am. That's not faith. Exactly. It was when it got, I mean, if you've ever been part of a sport ever, there's, you have a good coach, right? They don't care how well you do in the first, in the first 10 minutes, no. right? So even today, uh, we're working on some very simple stuff because we've got some new folks. And so it's, it's fun for me to be on my kind of second go through with it. But so I know a lot of what we're doing and I can do a lot of it, but even today, like we do 10 minutes is like, all right, now all the real work begins because yeah. now you're tired. <laughs> exactly. So you push it through. is like, can you do it when you're tired? Is it really actually there? And yeah. so, and yeah, in these sermon series, when you get past the question, that's where you find that faith actually happens. Yeah. Yeah. And Hebrews has been very much, if not more kind of a accelerated growth period <laughs> in the history of our church. And I think sometimes when people hear, us preach hard things so like you know you saying how do you get to god how are you going to get to god what's the plan some people who 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 know that they belong to god Mm -hmm. uh and they could if they stop for a moment and actually implied uh or applied their brain and their thoughts and reason and wisdom in the scripture they could say yeah i can answer this question but they begin to allow their emotions to control them and, and they're like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to get to God. And they become very discouraged. Yeah. You know, like, well, maybe because, because there's this thing where we go uh, in our house, we call it going global. So like if we have a, you know, a family you know, quote unquote crisis or Brent and I get into an argument, sometimes it's really easy for one of us to like, be like our whole marriage is crap. You know, we call yeah. that going global. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we have to check each other and say, hang on. You're, you're going going global, yeah. Like that, the whole thing is in a mess. That's it's a good just for it, yeah. we're being challenged in this one area. Mm-hmm. We're being pressed. The hard edges are being knocked off. That's a good thing. Yeah. Like we we think we understood <laughs> this when we said I do, or at least maybe we didn't have a, quite the grasp. But at least, right? We explain- had some good premarital counseling, and they said this is going to happen, and here it is. Oh, this is what you meant. This is what you meant. Yeah, I was explaining something similar to this. Uh, in, in relationships and BNI, my networking group last week, uh, and I related it to woodworking. So, like when I, after I'm done for the most part and I'm getting ready to put finish on, I always check the surface again. I run my hand across the surface mm-hmm. to make sure that I didn't miss any spots. And inevitably, I found a rough spot. And when I do find a rough spot, I just take the whole project and throw it in the fire. Right? I, I, I messed it up. This, this friction right, right here is not right, and right. so the whole thing's done. Right. But no, that's not what we do. Right. That, that would be going, going global. Exactly. And yeah. I think some people respond to um, books of the Bible like Hebrews, or some of the preaching they've been walking through lately, in that way. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole thing's crap. And God must going to just be chuck me in the fire because I just can't be good enough and I can't understand this enough, right? But these preachers are too, too ornery. Yeah, <laughs> right. something like that. Right, exactly. Someone hey, else's fault. We're just reading the book, man. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just 
saying what's in the text. Mm-hmm. Right? I really try not to apologize for any of the tension this past week. No, it was great. Not my fault. <laughs> right. Well, you have so you have that on one side. On the other side, I think you have people that when you say, "What's your plan? How are you going to get to God? How are you going to get rid of this burden?" They kind of do a checklist in their mind, and they're like, "I'm good." Yep. There is no challenge there, mm-hmm. right? So I think faithfulness is is saying, "I'm not going to let my emotions run away with me," and just because this is hard, yeah. Be like, man, I'm just, I can't understand this. I'm going to try to avoid thinking about this or I must not be a Christian because Rusty said I'm not good enough or whatever. Yeah. Um, we have to, no, we push that away and say, I, I have put my hand upon the lamb, whether that was when I was a little kid and I remember the moment. Regardless, right now, right my, now. What my, are you doing my now? trust is in the work of Jesus Christ on my behalf. Mm-hmm. My hands are empty in that sense, and I look to him. I mean, man, I do that. When I feel that guilt um, and that shame, um, that's what I look to. Yeah, That's what I look to, and that whether it's, whether it's um, sitting in my living room reading the scriptures or, or hearing a sermon, mm-hmm. I look to that. And on the other side, if I'm sitting through a sermon or I'm reading the scriptures and I'm like, yeah, I'm good, because I've just walked through a checklist of, I've had my Bible time. I'm doing good as a husband. Check, check, check. I'm doing good as a father. Check, check, check. Right? Which there is good fruit to be um, shown as evidence. But I think there's something wrong there as well. If it's not challenging. No, it's not. Yeah. And and, I mean, you're you're essentially describing perseverance, which has been what we were harping on for a long time in Hebrews. Right. But you can say perseverance of the saints, guys. Perseverance. Sure. Preserve, what am I looking for? Perseverance of the saints and the preserving of the saints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can say that, mm-hmm. but people still don't get it sometimes. No. Right? No. And I think, not, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think what happens often, and I think that we're in a moment in our church right now, which is a good thing, where if you, if you uh, give it, uh, if Matt was here, he would, he would talk 10 minutes about his farm, um, which we love to hear, Matt about sowing and reaping, right? The Bible is clear about what you sow, you will reap, right? We've planted yeah. some, some stuff in our gardens and we're looking to, to harvest what we planted. These are, these are gonna be carrots, these are gonna be tomatoes, right? And so I think when, when the um, word of God is being applied to our hearts like it is through a series, like in, we're in, in Hebrews, I think a lot of people are looking back at some things and they're saying, Oh man, look at my garden. There's lots and lots of weeds. Mm -hmm. And either it's just entirely too discouraging and they're like, where do I even start? Yeah. Or they're like, eh, it's not that bad. (laughs) You know, I can just kind of plant around it. (laughs) And there's a shocking amount of people too that have like sowed, I don't know, spinach, which is a good crop. I like a lot of spinach, but they're expecting it to grow into like apples. Mm. Like, Right. Oh, <laughs> that's the other principle of sowing or reaping. Right. You're going to get what you plant. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> of the same kind. Exactly. And so I think what we have to do, um, and let me know if you have any more thoughts on this, what we have to do is we have to humbly accept that. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's that. what I was saying earlier. In the moment of conviction, maybe it is Satan coming, and I can say, hey, Satan, Romans 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I also want to give room for the spirit of God to, to convict my heart and say, yes, uh, you know, I, I did do that. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I did sow that foolishness, yeah. and I am reaping the consequences of that. But instead of trying to um, put little fake roses on the thorn bush mm-hmm. and make it look pretty, instead of trying to paint the pig, yeah, right. I'm just going to call it for what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just weeds. It's just a pig. That's that's what I have been about for a while, and that could be in. Not again, don't go global. Maybe it is your whole life, <laughs> or maybe it's in your parenting, or maybe it's in your marriage, or maybe it's in your workplace, whatever. But humbly accept that. Know that there is forgiveness and freedom found in the blood of Jesus Christ, and that there is such hope to move forward to, to rip out those weeds yep. and to plant things that are going to produce good, lasting fruit for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, each season will come. That's a big thing for me in perseverance. I learned this all the way back in football. <laughs> when I'm questioning my existence and choices in life and why I'm on this field right now, <laughs> I know that come 5.30, I get to go home. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, this is going to suck for the next 45 minutes. Right. Um, and we always did conditioning like two-thirds of the way through practice right, right. before we start actually running our plays. And uh, it, it's awful. You, you want to die um, if you aren't already dying. Right. and 5.30 is coming. It's okay. Yeah. And, and the fall is, is coming. The end of fall. Winter's coming. Yeah. And football will be done. I'll have a season off, you know? Yeah. For me, in roles, it's like the clock, will, the, the bell will ding. Yeah. You know? I, I just have to make it to three minutes, five minutes, whatever it right. is. And, and the bell will ding. It'll come. It's not going to not come. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll get a chance to assess and try again. Yeah. And, and that's the same thing with the sowing and reaping principle. They're not planted there forever yeah like you can tend your garden and it'll be a minute before you get what you want yeah but be a farmer yeah you don't just throw your hands up and be like well farming's not for me Mm. uh i have all this land and now it's a weed land right often too i think when we listen to sermons and it kind of smacks us upside the head Mm -hmm. sometimes that's just the spirit of god working through you know the messenger of god in a special way when god's people are gathered together but sometimes for me, that's because I have neglected, if we're going to continue this metaphor of training or planting or whatever, or tending the gardener or, or training for your sport, I've neglected those times of training mm-hmm. myself, Yeah. right? I should have been putting in the reps before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm running the race and I'm feeling pretty crappy because everybody's passing me. <laughs> well, if I would have been applying myself in training, right, mm-hmm. and pushing myself uh, properly, mm-hmm. Right then, I wouldn't have been so offended when people were passing me. Yep, I wouldn't have been so offended. Like, oh my goodness, I, I guess I'm not that great of a runner. Well, if I would have been honest with myself and pushed myself hard enough in training mm-hmm. by myself, yep, then I would have uh, not been so surprised. Mm-hmm. So you got to put in, you got to put in the reps when it's just you. Yep, you got to put in the reps when it's just you and your family. That's why these we've been pushing this little things around the dinner table. Like that's. That's war. Yeah, it is. <laughs> right? Like there are, there are cosmic forces at work when it is time for you to lay the law down and discipline your kid mm-hmm. because they won't finish their peas or whatever it is, right? Yep. Like there is life and death situations at stake there. Mm-hmm. And you got to put in your reps in those times. Um, well, I don't want to uh, get away from this. You, you mentioned this uh, yesterday, trying to get rid of that feeling of guilt trying to get rid of that burden. You gave just a couple things, and I just want to reiterate those because I thought they were really good because often these things are just so readily available. They're just, they're just extensions of our lives, literally our phones, like our extensions of our, 
of our bodies these days. Mm -hmm. So trying to get rid of this feeling of guilt, what do we turn to to relieve that pressure? <laughs> you, you mentioned a few things like hours on the TV, binge watching shows. Yeah. You know, what do you turn to when you're stressed? You know, now I'm, there's been times in ministry when I've done my work for the glory of God um, as a pastor, spent long hours. You've been there with me, you know, <laughs> writing letters or, or uh, walking through how we're going to deal with the situation. I go home, I pray, and then I just watch five episodes of The Office because <laughs> yeah. I just need to check out. Yeah. But we all know that feeling, I think, when we're trying to distract ourselves. Um, we can get lost in food. Uh, you've already mentioned pornography, which primarily is something that men turn to when they're stressed, mm -hmm. when life is hard. It's I want to check out completely, and there's often this uh, feeling too that uh, well, if I've if I fail at this bad, then nothing can be expected of me. I'm just a loser <laughs> anyway, so I might as well just dive deeper. Yeah, right. That's a that's a pretty heinous lie from the pit of hell that just keeps us spiraling out of control. Mm -hmm. Mindless scrolling on our phones. You mentioned that. I, I read recently um, a book about rest, and they were talking about how folks have this um, habit of having to have double screens meaning that you're watching a show or a football game or whatever and you're also on your phone yeah scrolling at the same time <laughs> just looking up stats right and and so like all these things that kind of keep us from having to really deal with the real problem even hobbies you know even things like exercise i want to you know lean into that i want to get rid of all the stress sometimes you said we turn to family uh, we turn to our family and then, you know, people get to the end of their life and they're empty nesters and all of a sudden they look at their spouse and they're like, who are you? <laughs> right? Because they put all their time and effort into their kids. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's because their marriage was kind of crappy. Yeah. You know, I've counseled couples before who've said, well, you know, we, we just stayed together for the kids. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And as noble as that might sound, you got the cart before the horse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? A huge, yeah. Self-righteous good deeds. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to um, it's really sexy right now in our culture to, you know, be on the right side of social justice issues, mm -hmm. right? Which if you're on the right side of social justice issues that our culture is calling you to, you're probably not a Christian. Yeah. Um, which for the most part is generally a distraction. I'm going to go do this noble deed over here so I don't have to deal with my kingdom at home. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which by the way, uh, and we'll get to get to this uh, in a class later in the summer. I'm going to teach about compassion ministry. But if you are, if you're using the poor as a distraction for self righteousness, you're missing the whole point mm -hmm. why Jesus cared for the poor mm -hmm. to show you that's you. Yeah. You are completely bankrupt. Yes, you're the poor, <laughs> and you you needed Jesus to become poor mm -hmm. so you could become rich. Yep. Um, the other one I see I've heard several times, even in the past two weeks. Um, Tell me something that you're not allowed to do as long as you justify it by saying it's for your mental health. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you can justify anything you want as long as you say, well, I'm just valuing my mental health, my mm. self-care. Yeah. Man, I could talk a long time. <laughs> I, could, I could rant. <laughs> and you all know I can talk for a long time <laughs> about the, the, this gospel of self care mm -hmm. that we see everywhere yep. and it's the problem with these kinds of things is they're plausible arguments oh yeah they're but who else uses plausible arguments oh yeah satan yep right yeah it's a <laughs> takes a little bit of good 
right? And you see that all through Pilgrim's Progress. You know, all these guys who jumped over the wall or they say, hey, you can get to the Celestial City by going this way, right? Yeah, that, that's why I pulled out the screw tape letters. Yeah. <laughs> he says, it'd be much better if the woman and her family were Christians with a special interest, hmm. like faith healing or vegetarianism. Like, I, I, didn't, I wasn't <laughs> trying to make fun of vegetarianism. Like, that's C.S. Lewis. He goes after them. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's some kind of special interest. Yeah, well, you remember, you and I were talking about this not too long ago, um, about the, uh, you, you mentioned it in your sermon, there are, there are birds, so to speak, in the rafters of the church waiting to swoop down and take the word of God away. Yeah. Right? And in Screwtape Letters, um, he's counseling his, his apprentice and he's saying, when, uh, when the, the, the man begins to think about God and his sin, and sanctification, don't distract him by putting some lustful thought into his, into his head. Hmm. Just distract him by saying, you're hungry, it's time for lunch. <laughs> right? Yep. Or something, and this, these are the things that you mentioned. Yep. All these seemingly harmless things that we get so busy and involved in that we never really give much thought to the real issue. This is why people can't, can't um, ride in their car without noise. <laughs> right, you you uh you in a new truck and it doesn't have a aux cord or anything. It's no, just like I'm a radio. Not listening to the radio, right? I never do. Right, I mean, just try riding a long way, folks, in mm -hmm. a car with no no music or or sit. Uh, this is why this is why silence and solitude is a good thing. Sitting alone quietly, yep. whether it's in a room somewhere where it's quiet for an extended period of time or out in nature, that's where what, it's just you. That's what pipes are for. Yes. Yes, good cigars and pipes can give you give you some silence and solitude because your wife probably won't hang out with you. <laughs> well, depends on what you're smoking. This is true. <laughs> um, what comes to your mind in those times? Yeah. What creeps up? What bubbles up? Mm -hmm. We don't like those things. You know, another thing that we often, um, I think, sometimes look to is it's good to have unbelieving friends, mm -hmm. but for the purpose of bringing them out of the kingdom of darkness mm -hmm. into the kingdom of light. But often we have unbelieving friends who we are already the moral superior to them, mm. you know, just, be, just because of our standards, yeah. just because of what we believe. We see very much that, oh, they're doing these things. I'm not running around getting drunk and I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, smoking pot or I'm not doing these things. Yeah. So all of a sudden we kind of become the, you know, the moral giant in that sphere mm -hmm. and they don't truly know us nor do they truly push us yeah. the way a true friend should push up mm -hmm. like our push us like our church family so we can really surround ourselves i see a lot of people who they have more friends outside of the church and again it's fine and good to have friends outside the church you should and you should have unbelieving friends but with the point of evangelism mm -hmm. but they want to have those people groups outside of the church because those people groups don't know them mm -hmm. as well as the people within the church or if your excuse is, well, nobody in the church wants to get to know me, maybe you just don't like the way the church is called to know you, <laughs> to spur you on to love and good works. You don't like you. Right. Yeah. And so oftentimes <laughs> we avoid extra time with our brothers and sisters in Christ mm -hmm. uh, because when I'm with them, mm -hmm. they're exposing the dark places. Yeah. They're saying this doesn't look like Jesus, mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm expected to actually act upon what I say I believe. They can see behind the mask. Yeah, and I've seen folks do that um, in, in my time as a pastor, that they kind of have this people group, whether it's at work, 
or whatever, where that's, that's their friends and they don't really don't need anybody else. And I think you can do that also with other believing friends, but they're not your covenant family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a way sometimes we can avoid the feeling of shame and, and guilt Absolutely. upon our shoulders. Well, that's good. Is there anything else as we wrap it up here that you would like to develop a little bit more? I want to give you that chance. Anything else you want to develop a little bit more? And I'll ask you one more question and we'll call it a day. Um, I really was trying to keep the encouragement kind of low, <laughs> not to be a jerk. No, I liked it. The good <clears throat> cliffhanger. Um, because I know Matt knows how to preach, and he will faithfully do verse eleven. Um, and and the author of Hebrews has already given the answer. He's just taking a minute to assuage their past. I, I think the. I don't know. I don't hear this as much from uh, you and Matt as I do from the affirmation and comfort idols. Uh, the affirmation and comfort idols, I hear a lot more of like they're tired hmm. of of fighting or struggling. Um, and so that's that's why I closed with that last quote from Sam. Um, because to me, and, and that's where I that's where I say like the football it ends at five thirty. The round ends at three minutes. Right. Um, the finish line's coming. Yeah, that's where, you know, Revelation 21, 22 is so helpful for me um, of knowing the, the day is coming because I'm looking forward to the day. I'm, I'm saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. Yeah. Uh, there's more I want to do on this planet, but at the same time, I'm ready for Jesus to be back. Yeah. And, and I don't, I'm not saying that you guys don't think that, but I don't hear it as much from uh, control and, sure. and power guys. Um, but yeah, for me, like this quote from Sam, how could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad has happened? Cause he, he's, he wants the Shire, he wants the good, but how can it, how can it possibly go back to that when there's so much darkness, when there's so much bad things have happened? Cause, but in the end, it's only a passing thing, the shadow, even darkness must pass. Mm. A, a new day will come when the sun shines and it'll shine out the clearer. Yeah. And, and for me, that, that is, that picture I love Gandalf. Gandalf is my favorite. I I'm a wizard. Every time I play D and D, like <laughs> I'm 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 that. I get it. But like Sam's quotes to me are are, are where it's at. Yeah. Um, I don't. I'm not a gardener like him. Um, mm. <laughs> but I'm I'm that number two guy. And for me, supporting people, pushing people, getting to the end myself, like the old was great, but there's something so much brighter now. Yeah. The, the the thing was a shadow and that's because there was darkness there it yeah. wasn't complete it wasn't full and that's why it was so tiring the wrath was still there mm-hmm. uh the righteousness was not yet yours now it is yours yeah and the wrath is gone and now we look forward to jesus finally doing it the mm-hmm. sun's going to come out again yeah well that answers my next question because i was going to say how do we how do we be samwise mm-hmm. to each other because yeah. as we're walking in relationship with our families, with our church family, in our, in our home groups, in our DNAs, we often find, uh, whether it's somebody's like, it's just, I'm tired of fighting, mm-hmm. or you, you take the power and control guys, like Matt and I, who are like, we're going to perfect this thing, <laughs> you know, into the ground, mm-hmm. kind of a thing, um, which has its own pitfalls for sure. Uh, you really did answer uh, what I was looking for there. We need to, for each other, be Samwise in those moments mm-hmm. for each other, reminding each other that there is light at the end of the tunnel, but ultimately 
we have this this sure and steadfast mm-hmm. hope, right? Mm-hmm. This anchor, yeah. That uh, we can we can rest assured in mm-hmm. that the wrath is on the tree, mm-hmm. the Christ is seated, therefore his work is done, yeah. And the righteousness of Christ is mine, mm-hmm. so therefore I can I can not only um, run, yeah. I can run with gladness and with joy. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I like about Lord of the Rings. And I think we could have, <clears throat> we should have a podcast on masculinity and Lord of the Rings. Because it, it is the nature of men to be the burden carrier, to yeah. take that upon themselves and to care for others. And so a lot of times we look at Frodo for carrying the ring, yeah. right? And probably just because of Elijah Wood's face, we kind of look at him as a bit of a sissy. We're like, <laughs> dude, buck up, you know? Um, I think it's just his face. Sure. But, uh, Frodo really is carrying the, the, the burden. It's yeah. heavy and it, it beats him up. And that's a very masculine thing to do, right? Yeah. Um, but Sam, too, is carrying a burden. Yeah. Frodo. Yep. And Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, and you look at him as not having the ring and not being as masculine in that sense or sometimes, but the picture of someone, of taking on the concerns of someone else yeah. is Jesus. Mm hmm. And so if you're going to be a Sam, how often through Lord of the Rings is he concerned about himself? Mm. Never. Yeah. He throws himself into the water to swim into the boat when he can't swim. Can't even swim. <laughs> he peters it. So right. like that picture of, yeah, it's tiring to take upon yourself, particularly men, these burdens and to, to carry them for your family and to not be recognized for them, not be respected for them, to mm. fail at them. Yeah. And all of that is really, really tiring. But the sun's coming, and you can care about other people because you have one who cares for you. Yeah. And that, if that is not the vertical, horizontal relationship, you'll never make it. Right. Yeah. And to not stretch the analogy too far, but to make it more granular, Matt's new favorite word, uh, granular, granular? I don't know. I just want to dump like sugar on his desk. Yeah. <laughs> to, to get down to the nitty gritty, you remember that... Sam doesn't have very many great um, scenes mm-hmm. of, you know, bravery mm-hmm. as we would see it in yeah. an epic like Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. He doesn't brandish the sword too often. He's you know, not he, Aragorn. Yeah he's, yeah, he's not out in front giving the speeches. You know, there's times when he pulls the sword out and he's brave. But what you see him do is you see him constantly giving all of his effort to this seemingly uh, mundane non-sexy task like feeding Frodo and making sure that they have enough to get where they need to go Mm -hmm. right so it's in the every and this is what we've been pounding over and over and over here at Christ the Lord is is in the everyday mundane you know air quotes mundane Mm -hmm. um, task of life and the feeding of our family and the in the going to our workplaces and the dinner table and plunging toilets or preparing sermons Mm -hmm that we do that because we know um, what we're about, we know the goal that we have, we have the task, Mm -hmm. and we know that there is truly light at the end of the tunnel and that good will overcome evil. Mm -hmm. We have that sure and steadfast hope. Yeah, amen. Amen. Well, I am thankful to be able to host. I'm sure it's been a little bit longer than usual, but hey, that's my gifting, talking long. (laughs) So I'm just leaning into my giftings. So appreciate you sitting down with me, Russ. Appreciate your sermon. Uh, we 
are continuing to plug away through Hebrews. And so we want to continue to encourage you to be in that book yourself. One thing I want to encourage you to do, you know, we're always encouraging you to go back and continue to read the whole book yeah. if you can. Uh, that way you're seeing how he's tying all these things together. Uh, we can't go back and preach, you know, sometimes we get up and we want to do some review to show you how it all comes together. We can't go back five sermons and preach half that sermon yeah. and then preach the sermon we've been given that day. So I would encourage you to go back and just start listening to the sermons from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Just just snag them, listen to them um, with your kids in the car on your way to work, turn them on when you're washing the dishes at home, whatever. Start listening to those sermons again as we are continuing to plug away in Hebrew so that you can continue to see how all this comes together. And as always, we want to encourage you to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.